Well, a husband stumbled in one evening drunk. And the wife was in bed, and he decided that he was going to quietly go into the bathroom. And because of him being drunk, he had gotten himself into a fight. And so he had a bunch of bruises on his face. So he thought, well, let me look in the mirror and put the Band-Aids on my bruises so that she won't suspect anything. So he took a few minutes and looked in the mirror to see where all the bruises are, put the Band-Aids on, and got into bed. Thinking that he had pulled a fast one over his wife the next morning, she said, so you came home drunk. He says, oh no, what makes you say that? She says, well, if you weren't drunk, then who put all the Band-Aids on the bathroom mirror? <laughs> This morning, the title of my message is The Church We Were Meant to Be. The Church We Were Meant to Be, what God intended the church to be. In Acts chapter 2, which is in the New Testament, we read about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and filling the disciples. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began preaching and proclaiming Jesus' teachings. People were so stirred that they became believers and they believed the truth. After Peter had preached to the people, chapter 2 verse 41 tells us, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church was on fire. People were hungry and this was the birth of the church. And so this morning, let us look at Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 42. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 42. As the church grew in numbers, so did the believers. And this is what we read of the believers. And if you are able to, would you stand as we read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in their temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come into your house and learn more from you. And we just pray for your blessing upon your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. Those who had believed the message of Jesus Christ were baptized and they were saved. And so the church began and the work of the church began. 
The early church was on fire. The people were excited. They were bold. They were ready to hear the word of the Lord. They were ready to hear the truth. And they weren't just keeping it to themselves, but they were talking about it with other people. You see, this is the start of the church. And it's important for us to understand that when we refer to the church, yes, this is the church building, but we as a body of Christ are the church. We are the hands and the feet of God. And so whether we meet in a beautiful building like this, whether we meet in an industrial building, a movie theater, uh, a school, we are the church. We are the body of Christ that God wants us to continue to meet together and to praise his name. And so the people in the church, they met in homes. They did things together. They fellowshiped. They did all of the things that the church was intended to be. And so as we look at this passage today, I want us to be reminded of what the church was meant to be. I want us to be reminded of the things that God wants for us as a church. And number one is this, the church was meant to be a learning church, a learning church. In verse 42, it says, they, that is the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were a people that learned. They devoted themselves to learning what the apostles had to teach them. That was the words of Jesus, what they had learned from the Lord. Remember in those times, they didn't have the luxury of picking up a Bible. They didn't have the luxury of pressing the app on their phone or tablet to read the Bible. They heard the word in the temple. They heard the teachings in the temple. And so they were so hungry for what the teachings uh, said. They were so hungry to hear what they were being taught. And so the people devoted themselves to the teachings. They studied, they learned, they asked questions. And the Lord, too, desires us to be a people who want to learn his word, who wants to learn it, to meditate on it day and night, to know the word of God. You see, knowing the word of God is so important. It's important for us as adults, as youth, as children, to know what God's word says. He wants us to meditate on it. He wants us to learn it. He wants us to memorize it. He wants us to use it at our defense. He wants us to use it to encourage other people. He wants us to use it in our time of need. And if we don't know the word of God, then how can we use it? And so it's important for us to learn the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's important that we know and that we learn the word of God. And so it's important that we have our own time of study on our own. But there are lots of opportunities for us together to learn the word of God. During the week, we have small groups that meet in homes. That is an opportunity to learn the word of God, to talk about it, to study it. We have different 
different ladies' Bible studies and men's Bible studies in our church throughout the week, that is an opportunity to learn the Word of God, to talk about it, to ask questions, to study it. Every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school. We have the opportunity to learn God's Word, to study it, to talk about it. There are so many different opportunities to learn God's Word. Are you filling yourself up throughout the week, not just once a week or when you have time, but continuously worshiping God through the different ways, through corporate, together, and personal Bible studies. Dr. William Barclay said this, we should count it a wasted day when we do not learn something new and when we have not penetrated more deeply into the wisdom and the grace of God. May daily we learn something new. May we continue to ask God to give us the wisdom, the revelation, to hear his word and to know what it says. We are a learning church. We are also called to be a church of fellowship. A church of fellowship. It tells us in the latter part of verse 42, they, they the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread. This is talking about the corporate fellowship of believers in worship. And it's talking about those who meet together. I'm sure you have heard people say, I don't need to come to church to worship God, right? You've heard people say that. Maybe you yourself have thought that as well. Well, that is true. You don't have to come into this church building to worship God. But you see, the benefit of coming into this building and worshiping God together is the fellowship of the believers. You see, the Christian life was never meant to be one where we live alone. The Christian life and the Christian journey was never meant to be a journey where you walk alone but together. And so God desires us to continue to fellowship with one another, to continue to meet together, to continue to do things as believers. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are meant to be in communion, to be in fellowship with one another. You see, yes, we can worship God on our own, and it's important for us to have those times of prayer and devotion and time just with the Lord. But you see, in coming together and being part of a larger body, there is fellowship, there's encouragement, there's accountability, there's prayer partners, there's people there to walk with you in your time of need, there's people there to support you. There's people there to pray for you. There's people there to tell you about what they've gone through. And if you do it on your own, then you don't have that. And so there's benefit in being part of the body. We are to be a church of fellowship. And you see, yes, we encourage fellowship in many different ways, but it's also the responsibility of the believers to 
intentionally go out of their way to try to fellowship as well. We as a church do what we can intentionally to create fellowship opportunities. On New Year's Eve, we had a wonderful time of fellowship on the lower level. Just last Sunday evening, as we said farewell to Pastor Lucas, we had a time of fellowship. At different points throughout our summer season, we have a wonderful time of fellowship after church. Those are not just times where we think, oh, let's just give a snack or or whatnot. They are intentional times for you to make a friend, for you to meet a person, for you to say hi to someone that you don't know. Not just your own group of friends, but other people as well. And so as a believer, Make time for other people. Make time to get to know someone. Use an opportunity to invite a family or an individual out for lunch or to your home for a meal or coffee. Use that time to build fellowship. We are a church of fellowship. We are are also a praying church. A church who prays. It goes on to say, they the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. A church that prays. For a Christian, prayer is an essential part of our spiritual life. We must be and stay connected to Jesus, who is the source of life and strength. We are a church who believes in the power of prayer. We are a church who prays, for we understand that that is the connection to God to move in different ways. We encourage prayer. We pray because we know that that is what moves the hand of God. Each week you see in your bulletin a prayer sheet and we encourage you to use it to pray for the needs of other people, to pray and intercede on behalf of other people, to pray for your family, to pray for yourself, to pray for different needs. You see, in the Old Testament, when people needed prayer, when they needed to talk to God, they had to go to the priest. They had to have someone intercede on their behalf. But thank God now Jesus is our high priest. He is the one who intercedes on our behalf. And so as believers, we can go to God in prayer with full confidence that he hears us. In full confidence, knowing that we can present our needs before his throne and that he hears us and that he will answer according to his plan and purpose for our lives. One man said, prayer will make a man seize from sin or sin will cause a man to seize from prayer. Which one are you doing? Max Licato, a a very famous author and preacher, wrote, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. You see, the power of prayer is not in the words that we speak, but the power is in the one who hears the prayers that we pray. And so I challenge you, 
keep praying. Whether that is just five minutes, whether that is for hours, whatever it is, pray and have that continue relationship with God. These early Christians knew that they needed to connect with God. They knew that they could not meet life in their own strength and they didn't need to. They connected with God and before they went out into the world, they stayed in and had time with God. And so we too need to connect. We need to be a church who prays. There's so many opportunities to pray. Prayer in your own home, prayer for yourself, prayer by yourself, and then prayer at church. We have one Wednesday morning prayer time where some of you come and you meet for prayer. If that is suitable for you, come and pray with us. At the end of Wednesday evening Bible study, we have a time of prayer for the needs of the people in our church and in our community. On the first Saturday of every month, we have a time of prayer and fasting where we set aside three hours to devote to prayer. Once a year, we have our annual prayer vigil. There are so many different opportunities, and we give these, this time to prayer because we believe in the power of prayer. Be a person, be a church. May we continue to be a praying church. Amen? We're also called to be, number four, a church where things happen. A church where things happen. In verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Signs and wonders were there. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 tells us, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Then in Mark chapter 16 verses 17 and 18 we read, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Understand that Jesus has already given us as believers the power and the authority to do great things. Did you know that? That he has given us the power and the authority to do great things in his name. He has told us Go and do these things in my name. And you see, as a church, he wants us to have faith. As individual believers, he wants us to have faith, believing that in the name of Jesus, things will happen. That in the name of Jesus, people will be delivered. Souls will be saved. Chains will be broken. Lives will be changed and transformed. The sick will be healed. He wants us to believe because there is still power in the name of Jesus. And you see, sometimes we say, how come we don't see things happen? How come we're not seeing things happen? Well, you know, maybe we're not seeing the same things that we read about in the Bible, but I ask you this, 
Are we praying fervently? Are we believing with such desire that God is able? Are we doing the things that the early church did to see that come? When we say, God, we want to see revival, do we understand what that means? When we say, God, we want to see your fire fall from heaven, do we understand what that looks like? When we say, God, we want to see things happen. And you see, we have seen things happen in many of your lives as you think about your own journey through your spiritual lives, through your health. You have seen God do great things. You have seen healing in your life. You have seen him open doors when you didn't understand how they would be open. You have seen your family members get healed. You have seen things happen. Years ago, when, when I, I began interning, I remember Sister Carmen. She was one of the people I remember visiting in the hospital. And Sister Carmen, you remember this, that you were so close to death that they almost gave up on you. Would you just stand? Because we need to give God praise for what he has done. That she is alive, that she is well. You see, this is a church where things happen. We need to give God praise for that. God has also called us to be a generous church. A generous church. Verse 44 and 45 says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. These early Christians had a desire to help people in need. They felt the responsibility of doing their part to help support the work of the church, to support one another, to do for other people what they needed. You see, as Christians, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That makes us the family of God. That makes us a family. And when your family is in need, the right thing to do is to help them. And as Christians, brothers and sisters, we are to help one another in their time of need. And so let us remember to be a people who are generous, who constantly go out of our way to help those who are in need, to do for others what we can. But let me say this, not just those who are like us, meaning this, not just our own brothers and sisters in Christ, but others as well. For others to see who are not believers, for us to be generous and loving and kind and help so that they can see and experience the love of Christ as well. So that they can see that we are different, that we are truly the hands and the feet of God. You see, we are a family who needs to look out for each other, to look after the needs of each other. And I want to take a moment to sincerely thank you. Thank you to many of you who do that, who go out of your way to donate to our food pantry on a regular basis, who bring different food items. Those of you who will sometimes give gift cards for us to give out to families who are in need in different ways. For those of you who use your time and your talents to serve the Lord in many different ministries in our church. To those of you who give generously your tithes and offerings and your mortgage fund gifts, thank you for being generous people. Thank you for being people who continue to look after the work of the Lord, the work of the church. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 38 tells us, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. May we truly be a generous church. Amen? And the last point for today is, may we continue to be a growing church. A growing church, the, the latter part of verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the early church worked together. They worked towards accomplishing specific goals, which was to spread the good news about Jesus and to point people towards a relationship to him. And that is our main goal as a church, to spread the good news about Jesus and point people to relationship with him. That is one of our main goals, and that should be each of us as believers, our main goal in life already. We have that goal in Matthew chapter 28, the last words of Jesus. He tells us to go into all the world, to go into all the world and to do that, to go and to change and transform and to help others come into relationship with him. He wants us to, it's often referred to as the great commission. He wants us to continue to do his work. Our goal is to see believers come, is to see people come into relationship with Christ. You see, our goal is not to change them and save them because we cannot do that. Our goal is to help them to see that as a Christian, we are different, not better, but different. That we are called to live a different standard of life and to help point them towards the one who has already saved us. And we can only do that when we continue to go out of our way to spread the gospel. I want to ask you this, and as I ask you this, I ask myself this as well. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you invited a non-Christian to church? When was the last time that you talked about Jesus to your co-workers, to your family members, to your friends? When was the last time that we went out of our way to tell people about Jesus? You see, it's so easy to talk about the weather and what's going on in our world and politics and sports and all of these different things, but let's make an effort to tell people about Jesus, to get excited enough to say, he has changed me, he has transformed me, this is what he has done in my life. Because at the end of the day, that is what eternity is all about. You see, we are called to be a church, and the church was meant to be a learning church, a church of fellowship, a praying church, a church where things happen, a generous church, and a growing church. May we continue to be that kind of church. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for who you are.
We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have blessed this church and this congregation. And we pray for your blessing upon every Bible-believing church. And we pray that indeed you would continue to help us to be the kind of people that you desire us to be. May you help to change and to transform us, to challenge us, oh God, and to help enable us to continue to carry out your work and your ministry in different ways. And so, God, we thank you for what you've already done, and we thank you for greater things that are still ahead. And so, Lord, we just pray for each individual here. We pray, Father, that you would continue to help each one as believers, and we pray that you would remind us that we are truly the family of God. And so we ask for your blessing. We ask for your help day by day to share your word, to tell others about your greatness, to see lives change and transform and added, Lord, to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.